This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. I'm excited to have you here. You have a vast background and uh, it's rare to sometimes find people with this kind of a background just because you have so many different sections to it and so many things that you've studied and done that I was just like, I am so eager to have him on and just mm-hmm. pick your brain and get to learn, but also share that with yeah. the listeners uh, to level up in life and consciousness and all that good stuff. So thanks for taking the time and sharing space with Thank us. You. Thank you. So I, my listeners always know, they know that I always love to ask this question first. And that is like, how did you get into this? What was your journey to, because it's such a vast background and, and, uh, and like I said, I don't find that as often. So how did that begin or how did that develop and how'd you get to get to doing what you're doing now? So one of the things you said, and and I'm going to come back to it after I described a little bit of my journey is that it, it looks like I've studied a lot of different things and done and, and done these vast differences. They are not for me. The journey, which we'll we'll talk about, actually was where I was putting pieces together to fill out the whole. It's like you know, if you're trying to describe like a building, you need to be able to or, or, or something, an object, you need to be able to go all around to being like, okay, now I see the whole thing, right? And, and, and for me, that journey was like that. It was like, I got a piece and, I, and then I felt, mm, ah, there's more. And, and finally at this point, you know, at 53, I feel very good. I feel very good that for me, and I can't speak about anybody else. I cannot speak about anybody else's traditions, their practices. This is just the Alex, right? And, and, and because it's for Alex, and then when people come to me, they're coming for Alex. They're not coming for Alex as the individual. They're coming for my my years of experience and ability to see clearly. And then very quickly in my work with them, they also can see. So my journey is that they see. And what is it that, that I want them to see? I want them to see and experience. When I say see, we mean experience that they are whole. 
that they're complete. This is the important thing. That's the goal. That's the goal. So now that's that was to answer you on this end. And that that so so that returns us back to the story of I would say the easiest story which I've been I've told my entire life is the one where um, I was a teenager and I really experienced impermanence very strongly. It don't ask me why, it's just the way it was. I felt completely like no matter what I do, no matter what experience I have, it's slipping through my hands. And and I had a deep sense that um, there was not a foot that I could put down to feel like, yes, there is permanence. And that was very, very frustrating, this, this quality of impermanence, that everything was just moving and the ground underneath me was moving just as well. And that led me to uh, my, one of my first books was Suzuki Roshi's book on Zen. And that began the journey of really discovering the traditions of the East. And I've spent my life since the age of 16, 17, the whole time, really um, a deep understanding of the Eastern traditions and a very deep understanding on the, on the Western traditions. And I went to school, of course, for that as well. And uh, I, uh, I feel a, a beautiful integration actually between the two. And so that began my journey. And then you could just imagine, you know, I went to a, you know, education, then I took a course, then I took a, 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 a seminar, then I became involved in the Buddhist tradition with my teachers. I mean, so I have, I've had teachers and guides and education all combined together from both traditions and it's been an amazing journey i love that i love how your 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 goal is people to see themselves as whole you mind explaining a little bit about what that is um wholeness and and, and seeing from that perspective sure so wholeness is a, a word we use for an experience so for example you know when you when you're eating ice cream let's say in the moment that you eat that ice cream just in that one split second, you notice that you have the taste of the ice cream, but in, in that experience is also that you feel content, like you want, nothing, you want nothing else in that moment. You know, it's simply right in the eating of the ice cream, you experience it like, ah, oh, yes. For about a second, it's a moment of completeness. Nothing is wanted. See, so, so craving desire is a constant chasing after experience, people, places, things, experience. Why, why do we do all that? Because we wanna experience fullness, wholeness, completion. That's the, that's the, you know, that's what we want. And that experience is something that we're chasing in our entire life. And what we see is that when we don't experience that quality of wholeness and we don't know how to sustain that, what do we do? We seek more, we desire more, we crave more. What does that lead to? Addictions. All addictions are the, are the expression of feeling not at home within oneself. What's another way of saying wholeness? Feeling at home within oneself and not just in one's mind, in one's embodiment, in the body. I am whole in the body. I love that. I think, you know, I love when you bring up the body part, because there's so many times where 
we as individuals are so stuck up here, right? In the mind and do it, you know, and mm -hmm. all that, that we don't really get into the body. We actually repel against the body. So if we have a discomfort, if we have something there, we want to turn that off and turn that experience off immediately rather than open that door and say, let me learn from this. What is this trying to teach me? What is this trying to Absolutely. help me in that process? I agree with you 100%. And I love how you bring up the addiction part. It's so true, right? We get caught in that cycle. And I think addiction is going rampant in this day and age, just because, you know, with life and lockdowns, things that have gone on, um, it's, it's amped up because we're looking for that nice dopamine response just to ease things rather than focus on, again, that uneasiness. Why is it that we run away from the uneasiness so much? I think in the West, uh, maybe it's just human beings. So this way I can make it much broader. Um, from an early age, we, we don't have the environment that creates for us this invitation for being uncomfortable, right? So resilience and grit, which are very big topics that have been around now for the last 10, 15 years uh, by Angela Duckworth, really started to look at who is the most successful in, in life, those people usually have the ability to be resilient. What is resilience? The capacity to be uncomfortable. So the more capacity we have to be uncomfortable, the more capacity we have to be able to go for our goals because along the journey, we all know, nobody, nobody gets out of this life unscathed, okay? We're all going to have our bruises and bumps and scars and surgeries and tattoos and, you know, all of that. We're all going to have them. We're all going to have them. Metaphorically speaking, we're all going to have them. So therefore, along the journey, it's like you're going to get bruised. But what do you do? What do you do? What do you do with the discomfort? And as you said, if we use the discomfort as the doorway in, then what happens is we find the richness and then more capacity to be uncomfortable, by the way. Because there are certain circumstances in our life that could be chronic, that could be ongoing, not just some kind of, you know, temporary, you know, oh, I got, I lost my job. That's uncomfortable. What happens if you have a chronic illness? What happens if you're in, in a relationship that, you know, someone's not, not well and, you know, longer or you're with parents or who knows whatever the longer term might be. So our capacity and uh, one of my favorite books is Tara Brock's book on radical acceptance which is incredible, by the way. You, if anybody wants to know on how to meet the uncomfortable, that is an amazing book to begin with. And then you need a, a meditation practice because it's, it's within the meditation practice that uh, we can learn to be with experience without becoming overwhelmed by experience. And in this case, uncomfortable. By the way, when we say uncomfortable, we just don't mean physical. We're talking about uncomfortable emotions, uncomfortable uh, thoughts, uncomfortable sensations. So we're just simply talking about uncomfortable. But let me add one more piece before we move on. The uncomfortable quality of those experiences, also we contribute to them. And let, let me say what, what, what I mean by that. Let's say I get fired from a job. And then all of a sudden I walk away from that job and I'm like, I deserve it, I'm a piece of shit. Well, what happened now, what we're doing is we're bringing our baggage to the experience that's happening. And by bringing the already 
insecure, negative, doubtful, not whole <laughs> perspective, we're now massaging that situation, influencing that situation. And what happens is this, it, it, we feel that it's even worse than it really is. So we amp it up. And in Buddhism, we say it's bringing suffering to suffering. Now, this is such an important piece. What if we learned to bring a different attitude to the uncomfortable? Then it would be placed in its appropriate place. Then we would have the capacity and the resource internally to feel strong and capable of actually dealing with the difficulties. So therefore it's like, okay, I got fired. Cool. All right, hold on. Uh, sad, pissed off for a moment. Back on the horse. Let me get going. Now that now that's how you cope with it. And so like when you explain it that way, I love it. Is there like, cause there's a, there's the experience of being human. Right. And so like, I talk about yeah. this a lot where I'm like, you know, some people say, well, you say you meditate, you do breath work, you do this, you, you're very level headed. Do you get, so that means you don't get emotional at all. I was like, no, I do. I go ask my wife. I'm very, I, I have my moments. I'm human just like anybody else. But I love how you said in that, that aspect where when shit hits the fan, right, you, you have that reaction, but then you get right back to centeredness once you've gone through it, whatever that That's time right. period needs to be. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, all right, now let me get refocused. Let me get recentered and let's get to work. You know, let That's me right. shift my perspective. I, I, I like that. I think sometimes I, I wrote a book called The Walk in the Dark and it's all about the beauty of suffering right? and how we're never going to be able to get away from that. And I don't think, you know, as you said, like I love the metaphorical uh, statements you're sharing there. How many times that, you know, we all have traumas and, and there's so many traumas that we've all gone through. And I think uh, in, for my 37 times around the sun, I really believe it's, it's, those are the things that were destined chosen for. We chose those things to give us the experience we want in this lifetime. But what happens, you know, when we are, you know, create, create, you know, everything's in relationships. So how is it that you talked a little bit about baggage? I want to dive a little deeper into that. Um, about care, you know, our traumas and how we carry them into relationships and how we, we, we bring those um, uh, forward and, 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 and how do we stop that, that pattern? Cause like, I know even from my own experiences, I was, I was unconscious, even though I was very trying to be conscious, I was still, unco- you know, I call them the blind spots. They were still there. Um, and I had a see pattern show up in my life to go, wait a minute, I've seen this too many times. This is something I need to pay attention to. And then it started to unravel so much. Like I always call it like Pandora's box of good. It's just like, oh, yeah. wow, I didn't know this was coming. Oh my God, here's the dots. Here's the connections. And then all of a sudden here comes a beautiful transformation from it. Although for all the listeners, not a fun experience when you go through it. Um, how does that all work? And how, we, how do we break that cycle? Uh, you have to begin with the understanding of trauma. So let me, let me begin at the beginning. It's very important that we lay the groundwork that there has to be an understanding of what happens and then how do we resolve and heal that, okay? So um, as I'm teaching people about trauma and and, and I've been specializing in trauma for a while now, that trauma um, begins the moment we're conceived. And let me explain what I mean by that. The, The moment we're conceived, our interface in the world is our nervous system and brain. Okay. The nervous system in the brain is the most magical, amazing, high-level computer interface between our essence and life in the world. So if you think about it, it's like, it's like it, it, it moderates 
the discussion between these two spaces. So what happens is we get influenced, as I said, we can, none of us can get away without being influenced. So life, life is about conditioning. We get conditioned. It's no escaping. Being human, you get conditioned, okay? So the first conditioning that we experience of is in utero is our mother's, our mother's environment and the environment that she's in. And all of that has to do with all of her emotions, all of her thoughts, all of her experiences are being translated and picked up by the nervous system. So the nervous system is interpreting this information and saying, is it safe and I can go play and play means be myself? Or do I need to adjust and be careful and work on survival? Okay, then we come into the world and we are now embedded in our family environment, our culture, ethnicity, religion, our gender, all of the conditioning factors. And all of those are being met by the nervous system. The nervous system is saying, is this environment, are these two people, one person, whoever they are, 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 are is it safe for me <sighs> to be myself? Well, most of us realize that, you know, it takes a very conscious family environment, parents, to give us the opportunity to be as close as we can be to our, our sense of wholeness, right? I mean, even the best late parents uh, struggle with that. Anyway, what happens? Trauma now starts to happen. Trauma has small T and big T, we call it. Small T is the everyday kind of you know, incidents that occur naturally in life. The parent is frustrated, the child is late to school, the parent screams at the child that one time and the child oh, locks up around that. The child gets hurt by that. And maybe that might not be the parent's usual, let's say, but once in a while it happens. But for that child's makeup, for them, that's an insult and an injury. And what happens with the nervous system, it contracts. And it gets a little bit more tightly wound up. And what happens then? Once it gets wound up, the consequence is a set of emotions, belief systems, and thinking patterns that get laid in motion. So therefore, trauma creates the cascade of belief systems that arise out of there. And what holds this whole belief system together? Is that there must be something wrong with me. The core of all trauma is that, the, that we believe it has something to do with us. And so we carry this deep within us as a feeling or an existential ontological experience of a sense of lack. Like I'm lacking something. And of course, when we think we're lacking something, we, we think it's lacking um, our love from our parents, or a new car or a relationship or money, all the things. But what we're lacking is that feeling of coming home and being whole. That's what we want. And we do need the right environment. And what's interesting is being human is that we do need love and support, like the beautiful light of love and support to be able to play around with our own light and experience that because we don't know what to do with that. That's, that's something we get to practice. So the, the, the term trauma, and since I'm in Greece, I've learned, I've learned that the word trauma is translated as trauma. Trauma means rupture. When I heard this word, I was like, that makes absolute sense, rupture. So therefore trauma ruptures our natural environment 
and forces us to leave that to go address the external situation. So, now, I was gonna say, yeah, I love what you're sharing there because one thing I'm, I'm you see me smiling over here on this end a lot because what you're being a chiropractor, you're explaining chiropractic in a nutshell of how the nervous system gets overwhelmed and how it cannot adapt because it's too right. overstimulating now. And then right. it doesn't allow, so then it creates these, we call subluxations, which is Correct. the brain now all of a sudden does not, uh, can't communicate as well. It has to go into protection mode. And then that sets the tone because if you keep having that stimulus, then the brain says, well, this is what we keep seeing. We have to, we have to, we have to move into that realm to adapt. And then that sets the tone, especially early on. Boom. Uh, totally. Uh, I digress. Okay. So go ahead and continue. No, no. But I want to say what you, you know, in terms of the chiropractic, so what you get to see is the manifestation of the trauma in the, in the form of the way the body holds itself, right? And if we want to know information about ourselves, all we have to do is tap into the way that the body, the body is the barometer and the expressor of all the information. It is, it is the Akashic records, if I want to say it, of of all of our life. And, it, and we don't have to look far. We don't have to go back to our history. We simply are the manifestation of, of the lived trauma. So therefore, in the now, I am still in being like shot out of a cannon or, 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 or an arrow being shot due to the momentum of the traumas, you understand? So therefore, if I, if I wanna know anything about me, all I have to be like, what's my trajectory? Oh, that's so interesting in this trajectory. Here I am. It's still being lived. So then when we come back to your question about what happens in our relationships, well, what happens is that we're just reenacting our traumas. We're reenacting our negative perceptions about ourselves with the other. And really all it is, is, is it really just then like a relationship with self because of that? And then you're just... Is it like a reinforcement kind of a thing? Because sometimes the mind and the brain likes to, you know, well, if I feel this way, then I have to see proof. And so you start to, like, sometimes people say you're seeking. I remember when I was trying to get away from drama. Everyone was like, you, you attract drama in your life. And I'm like, well, one of my friends used to tell this to me all the time. And I was like, dude, I don't want to attract drama. I don't want drama. He's like, you seek drama. You don't see it. And so eventually over time, I started to see how I was seeking for it because I was creating no drama in my own life, just internally and so forth. And eventually when I saw that, I was like, oh man, it's not that I'm, I'm seeking to reinforce something. And then as soon as I changed, and, internally, what, was and what was it? What was it? What were you seeking to reinforce? The dr- like chaos, basically. I have to have chaos in my life. But to do what? Go, go deeper. What was, what was the point of the chaos in terms of your experience? I don't know. Was it, I think it was just programming, like the conditioning of that to be like to continually to have that because it was in my life previously. Like that's what I grew but, up with. But, but, but it has to have a purpose. So therefore, what, what, did you, what did you get out of that experience? We don't, we don't seek experience unless it gives us something, even if it's painful. True. Um, I have to go back and think now. That's a good one. All right. All right. So leave that for a second. And, and, and that answers the question, which is we keep recycling. And you're asking, why do we keep doing this in, in, you know, you know, with, with our relationships and people and so forth? It goes back to something beautiful uh, described by Harville Hendricks and his wife in the work of Imago Therapy. Right. So Imago Therapy simply describes relationships as the following. I have certain aspects that are cut off from me. I, I, I'm not integrated well, and I keep things in the shadow. 
what's in the shadow, things I don't like about myself, some negative perceptions about myself. So what do I do? I keep those away from, from the light. And I would like for you and the relationship to help me heal that. Okay. Now, I'm not going to pick someone unconsciously who's actually good for me, because then what's going to happen is they're not going to want to play the drama out with me. They're going to actually force me to see what's inside of me, to come into a higher elevated state of relating. So what do I do? I find someone as we, you know, what's that saying about water? Water finds its own table. I, I, I keep forgetting how it goes, right? So human beings find their own energetic table, as I say, right? So another way of saying it is a, it's a vibrational level. And the agreement in the vibrational level is you don't touch my shit, I don't touch your shit, and we're just going to be together. But I'm hoping that by not touching each other's stuff, I actually heal myself. So look at the quandary that we're in. Uh, I'm to- I totally, totally see that because I look at my, my marriage in this aspect and it's the total opposite where it's like, you know, I will, it's all, we have an agreement where, you know, sometimes we're going to hit our, we call pain bodies or whatever the terminology will be. And then it's like, Hey, that's something you need to work on. I could support you in there. Do you want to go on your own with that process? Let's, let's work through this together if you want. Um, and most time we do. Um, but it helps because I always tell, sometimes I tell people your, your partner is actually your greatest aspect to help you absolutely um, become more whole if you allow it right like you were saying i love how you brought that up like i'm gonna keep the shadow away don't poke into it you don't poke into mine and we'll figure out how to heal anyhow and that was me that was my journey for a while and then eventually i was like hold up i'm just gonna have to learn to be a little more authentic i'm gonna have to get uncomfortable in ways that i usually don't maybe not like and the more i can do that then maybe there's hope to the other side that i can heal and trans trans uh Trans, not transcend, trans, transmutate, uh, transmute the the process to get past that and heal from that aspect. Mm-hmm. And what a journey it's been. And but uh, and but at the other end of it, it's been more freedom. And then it becomes easier. Now, if we get in an argument, or you know, let's say I get poked in a way, and I'm like, ah, you know, I, you know, let me let me think about how I why, why I'm reacting this way. I go through the process, then I understand. Okay, this is why I'm being this way. I apologize. I have to work on that, and then she'll help. We help each other out through it. And it's it's been a Amazing. it's a fun process. But just and, adding and, to what you're saying, and and what you realize, by the way, let me just even go further in, in what you're saying is that it's not like there are new issues that happen in the couplehood. It's the same issues recycled all over again. And the big aha is like. Right, the same space is being hit again. The same space is being hit. It's not like something different is being hit again. It's whatever is in the shadow keeps getting touched, you know? So everything everything in the shadow has to come out either in our own individual work or in our couples. It has to come out. Now, does trauma, like, does it evolve? Because it's one of the things that like, you can talk about inner critic or you can talk about the ego or whatever that may be. And um, it's one of those things where, like, you talk about the same stuff recycling over and over and over. And it's funny because they will show up in different forms as you evolve. And I, I've, I've interviewed people on this and it's always fascinating in my own life when I sit back and watch that. And I'm like, oh, I got past this. I'm good. And then all of a sudden, like, maybe a couple of years later, I'm going, I thought I cleared that out. I'm like, why is that back? And then I'm like, but it's different. But it's then when you go through the work, you're like, it's the same thing, just a different, like I like it evolved in itself also. Correct. Correct. I mean, and, and there's a, there's a tendency for uh, it, the unfinished material to morph itself. And it may not be as dense. It might be much more subtle. 
and it's harder to catch, you see. And that belongs in the energetic body, closer, closer to the subtle body, as we say in the East. It's not so obvious, maybe let's say on a holding pattern, the person's done good work, but there's a little bit still a stickiness, some kind of like maybe hope or fear, expectations, uh, some aspect of not letting something go and it's sticky. So, you know, you can have it, let's say we have a spectrum of dense stickiness to mild, subtle aspects of it. The more we do the work, the more milder and more subtle it is. And the quicker we're able to recognize it, the quicker we're able to let it go and come back to our wholeness. That's the spectrum. On this side, we're unconscious. We don't feel whole. Simply, we're just reenacting, 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 reenacting. So true. I, and even with my own life, it, it's, it's kind of a lot of things I share, like even in chiropractic, like or working out, or good nutrition. Like I would say, the beginning, a lot of work takes a lot of time. There's a lot of stuff we have to process through. But down the road, like you're saying, it gets so much easier. I'm not saying it's easier. not fun. There's things that will still be uncomfortable, but it's so much easier to, like you said, recognize. Boom, and we move forward and uh, to grow and evolve. I love that. Um, traumas in the body. I know you do somatic work too. So it, 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 when these traumas, how do they show up? And I know this is a very broad question because and i'm hoping we at least give the listeners something to tune in on this a little bit how that can how does it get well we talked a little about how getting trapped in the nervous system but how can it like show up in different ways if you just mind sharing some experiences or things along that nature for the listeners to understand because what i'm trying to share like sometimes i try to share this even with patients is like how if they're going through an emotion or there's a continual emotion i'm always like that's stored somewhere or you're storing it in the body or you're creating, or it could be an emotional trauma back in their early in your childhood and stuff that gets trapped and stored. Um, but love to pick your brain on this a little bit. This goes back to the science. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, when we're incurring trauma, the nervous system combined then with the adrenal, adrenal brain, you know, cycle, we then produce hormones like cortisol and adrenaline um, at levels that teach us that we're still in fight or flight. So trauma creates a fight or flight um, system to be out of whack. And that could be, by the way, I, don't, I, don't, I hope people understand that trauma in this case doesn't mean the most horrible thing that you can imagine. It could be just a sense of not feeling like your environment and the people and circumstances just didn't support your own growth that enough. And what happens is that cycle gets started early on. Children start to have the stress response. You could see it by how they're reacting, how they're acting, how they pay attention in school. All those are symptoms in the body. See, you're asking that. The body from an early age starts telling the world that I'm at a heightened state of arousal. And, and imagine then being 20, 25, 30, 35, and then the body has been in a constant state of fight or flight. Well, we know that heart disease, cancer, strokes, and I can keep going on, that stress creates the environment for all of those to be at the higher rate. So the- the, No, go ahead, sorry. The, the, the direct influence on our bodies is, not being well. 
like I said, I love hearing this, someone from that, who's not a chiropractor. It's awesome. I love this because it's so true. I mean, we call it being like the brain gets stuck in stress. And all that means is it's just the wiring pattern is, is, is in that high alert state. And, um, because a lot of work I do is with kids mostly. And it's one of the things where, when I see these kids being born two, three years old, and they're already hardwired that way. And then I'm like, man, what would 20, 30 years look like? What would 40 years look like? I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, not too not too long ago, we're working with a client who uh, comes out of Syria, and and you know really experienced. He's a young man, so he experienced all the turmoil that going, growing up in there, and uh, has you know moved in the last several years. And we were talking about work, and he was describing work like a war zone. I, you know, and it would it wasn't until session three or four that I had my aha because I'm I'm, I'm paying attention. I go. Oh my goodness, he's dealing with work in the exact same way that he did when he was growing up in Syria. And when that was revealed, he had the most amazing insight and, and, and a shift. And we had to do some trauma work, some EMDR and some other methodologies to really soften the nervous system and the memories and the impact on the body. And uh, he's doing, doing much better. It, took, it took, uh, took about six months of good work. I love how you bring up, it took six months, right? There's a lot of times people want that quick fix. They want it to be one, two, three. And no. this is conditioning. This is programming. This is, I call it programming where it's just, it, it's built in. And now you, it takes a while to break that down. If you're a couch, if you're a couch potato for 20 years and you want to go work out, how long do you have to go work out to like <laughs> deal with the 20 years of being a couch potato, right? So, you know, it's like, it's just, we all have this mentality that I'd like to experience wholeness now without <laughs> Totally. I'm, I, I get it all the time. So I'm with you. No, I, I, I love it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things too, like all this stuff you're sharing is so true because like even I've read studies about, because a lot of my studies we're getting into the last couple of years about imprints when the, in the womb of mom yeah. and how that gets all imprinted in the nervous system. And they, they've done studies with Nazis, you know, babe, women who are having, who are pregnant, seven, eighth, ninth, you know, six, seventh, ninth, eighth trimester in the camps or whatever it may have been. And then look at the children and they see the stress the levels of higher stress. And right now, a lot of the, the group that I'm a part of, we're looking at it going, okay, how many babies are going to be born during the lockdowns in COVID and are going to have that stress response of protection of fear to a higher alert state? That's and right. We don't have enough data yet because obviously lockdowns, we've only been a year in, but um, you know, I have a handful of newborns in my office, and, but it's, it's, it's tough to say right now. That's not enough data points, but um, we're predict, experience, uh, predicting the same kind of thing where this is already starting to hardwire and now they're into the world and that's, yeah. now they're looking to reinforce that, that process. And if we have parents who are coping with it well, the benefit there is teaching their children how to overcome adversities. Right. So it's both ways. Totally. It's so true. And uh, no, I love how you bring that up because I, I, we always talk about the negative, but there's also that side too, of the other coins. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's very, it, it's, it's easy to whitewash all of existence that way, but uh, we all know on the hero's journey, sometimes, you know, you got to go through some serious hell before you come out on the other side. So true. And I think too, and you, the more you like, we, we've, this is kind of, what we've been talking about all, all the time. Like if you can get easier to be more, get used to being uncomfortable and so forth um, it makes things easier, but then it makes that, that I always call freedom. I call it freedom. Cause I just don't have a better term for it yet. Eventually one day I will um, wholesome. We can go that route. It's, it is like wholesome going or returning back home. I like that one too. Um, 
of breaking down to get to that point of being to me, I just call free where you're being yourself, you're, you're back at home. Right. And you know, it's like going back home after traveling for a while and just like, ah, think, it's just something about I think being that's back our home. life. I think, I think that's a, um, Homer's journey in the Iliad, right? There's a, there's a couple of passages in there that speak about the whole journey that had taken place was about homesickness. So he had to go on all of these adventures to eventually return home. And we are the Odyssey. We are the Odyssey. So Homer wrote that book about all of humankind. You're making me want to go back and read the Odyssey. <laughs> no, it, it, I think that, and I think sometimes, and like we said, with addiction and things like that, it, I, it's that lack of being at home. Like sometimes I'll work with people and I'll tell them, like, you know, they'll get into a certain state. And I'm like, what are you, what is that really? What is that showing up as? And what are you seeing the lack, right? Because we get so caught up in lack. Even for myself, I know I use, I did that. And there's times they'll still sneak up on me too. Again, old stuff coming back where you're like, hold on, wait a minute. I know this story. I've heard it before. Um, but getting to that state, is there a way that we can stay home or is life designed to be out and in, out and in? So, of course, we've been fortunate enough to have models throughout history of beings that have stabilized being at home and have lived life, right? So there are many, many great accounts of these great teachers, masters, or whatever you want to call them. And there's many books written about many of them, you know, who, have, who did the work on coming home. And, and so we have the spectrum again. On this side, we have those beings that did that work and stabilized that. And then we have the spectrum of everybody coming in and out to varying degrees, right? So uh, about two years ago, there was a book called uh, The Science of Meditation. It was by, by Daniel Goleman. Not only by him, but the, I think Richard Davidson or David Richardson, I forget which way his name goes always. And the book basically said the following. It was incredible. It was the science. And it said that they saw the benefit of meditation for beginners and that it created a particular kind of state. What was the state? A sense of calmness and an ease and a little bit more space from their traumas and conditioning, right? But then, you know, after some time, they found that, you know, they returned back to their conditioning. And then they did studies on the people who meditated 20 hours, 20,000 hours in their life, 25,000 hours. Then the, the group called the 30,000. This is just an incredible group of people, right? What they saw was that once they get past 20, every person they interviewed had a similar characteristic about them that no matter what race, color, intelligence, gender, money, nothing, they had a very similar flavor to them. They were at ease, centered. It's incredible. So therefore, it takes, I'm gonna be very honest, it takes a dedication to work through the density of, of conditioning to go from state to a trait life, okay? So if, if anybody wants to do that work, that's what it requires. Yeah, it's not made for everybody, right?
Now, I do got a question on this, though. So a lot of times in my world, you know, I consider myself a biohacker. I've been doing this for about 10 years. How do we, you know, work with the physiology of the body to get faster results? And there's neurohacking that does something very similar, but in different ways to utilize the pathways or the, the laws of neurology to get certain results. There are some individuals that'll say like breath work, doing specific type or certain types of breath work can cut down from 20 years of meditation within a couple months, get you to that state. What's your opinion on that? Just curious. Uh, love to pick your brain on that. As you brought up the whole 20,000 hour thing in the book, I remember reading that book. It's been a little bit now. Um, but um, what's your thoughts on that perspective? Listen, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have good models around this. So, so for example, everybody wants to make a meditation a new Western form of let's get going here and 7-Eleven quick, give me a, you know, a supersized Slurpee here, right? And, and yes, breath work is fantastic, by the way. Breath work already gets the nervous system calmed down then to do the work of letting, letting go. But let me ask you something. If my daily life is uh, being, ex the expenditure of my energy is being towards a neurotic states of existence, my half an hour of meditation or my half an hour of breath work is only a very small part of my day. Now, when I say meditation, I am not actually implying only the form that everybody is thinking, some kind of sitting down and you're just sitting. No, meditation is a way of living life. What does that mean? It's learning how to experience the quality of wholeness. We can do that through breath work and through meditative experiences. The person gets a glimpse of like, oh, that's, that, that's, that's it right there. And then what happens is once you have that experience, right? You know, some people call it the experience of awakening. I mean, there's a lot of fancy names for it. I just call it the moment of grace as Adyashanti says. The moment we have that moment of grace, what we have to continue doing then is staying close to the fire of receiving more grace. And there are methods for that. There's ways to do this. They're very well outlined, by the way. And, and, and then we stick to them. And then the, it deepens and it deepens and it deepens. So. I like that. I think that's, that's solid. And it's one of those things, like, like they say, with, like in yoga, take your yoga off the mat, right? And it's, yes. it's a gradual process because we all have knee-jerk reactions when it comes to the nervous system because yeah. of the conditioning and so forth. Um, yeah. triggers and uh, whatever the terminology you want to call it. Uh, but I even know my journey because I've been meditating for 14 years. I've been pretty good now for the last, it'll be four years in July meditating every day. And it's one of the things where uh, just seeing how my thought process go and, and just to, you know, add to that, it's, it's been absolutely amazing to see the shift. I get excited because I'm like, man, I've been doing this for, you know, I've been really good for four years. I'm like, I wonder what the next four years is going to look like. Cause it's like where I'm at now in my life and how I don't get as reactive. I still do, but I know how to get calm centered. And um, even when like, excuse my French, when shit hits the fan in life, I don't let it really get the best of me per se. And I'm able to be like, wow, man, five years ago, I would have been like upset, aggravated. If I lost money, I've been very furious. And now I'm like, it's fine. Not a bump in the road. Let's re let's see how I need to adapt and make the best out of this. And taking that approach has been, this is where I call that freedom, right? Cause yeah. in my past, it was always following the same conditioning and leading to the mm -hmm. same emotional imbalance and, and the, the chaos within. And now it's more like, no, it's, this is fine. We will figure this out and we'll move forward. And it's like, ah, no more of that emotional baggage. I feel a little, not too bad. I'm actually looking forward to this. <laughs> 
there's a there's a there's a sentence that uh, you can you can practice. It's just one of the first sentences, one of the beginning practices, is to simply start to say, "I am not my body, I am not my 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 emotions, I am not my thoughts. I am embodied." And that's a you know, if we do another one of these, I'll go through the seven stages of how to go through it. But the first step is the, is, is, is the realization, and this is what meditation practice allows you to do. Meditation practice allows you to step away from experience, thoughts, emotions, and sensations, and to start to become curious about this subject, the observing quality that is there, who is, doesn't have to be involved with experience. Now that's freedom. The first freedom, the first aha, is right. My thoughts, emotions, and sensations don't define me. Which begs the next question for the person on the journey is, then who am I? Right. Love that. That's all. I, I think that's. I'm gonna have to have you back on for the seven. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have to dive into that one of these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real quick, though, how can people connect with you and, and find you, see what you're up to, what you're doing, and all that good stuff? Uh, the easiest is to go to my website, uh, journeytowholeness.health. And if you Google my name, Alex Boyanju, and you'll see a listing on uh, Psychology Today and another website called Hello Alma. I'm on Facebook. So, I mean, all the social media. You know, I'm the only Alex Boyanju in the world, so it makes it very easy. Nice. So, so my name is quite unique. You're not going to find somebody else. So it's easy to locate me. And uh, I also teach different courses. I, I just completed teaching two eight-week-long meditation courses. And in September, I'm going to start another series of embodied embodied meditation practice and uh, how to integrate how to integrate our experience into everyday life. And it's an amazing. We, we do, we meet uh, eight, eight weeks in a row, once a week for an hour and a half. And we practice, discuss, practice, discuss. And it's amazing. Love that. For all the listeners, I'll have all that information in the show notes for you guys. Um, Alex, this was a breath of fresh air. I, I really enjoyed your energy, Thanks, man. how you approach this and all that you've been, you do in your life. And uh, like I said, I'll definitely have you back on again soon. And uh, mm, discuss a lot more, brother. Appreciate you. Let's do it. Let's do it. Take care, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.